You're listening to And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 162. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me, as always, to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days, we have the once and future professional Asian American Jess Jew. Hello, Marvin. What's up, Jess? I have been not very Asian lately. I will get into that, my what's poppin', but <laughs> I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm very stimulated. My... Um, game dealer so so my husband likes to give me little games to play to uh-huh. distract me from everything um and so he start he got me on some like games and so i've been very uh like mentally stimulated the last week so things are going well <laughs> yay that's good what what kind of games are you like the you like the cute games right like the the cozy yeah, games I, yeah, I'm not a big fighter. I don't like anything too complicated. It has to look good. Um, so it's and and it can't be again. My hand-eye coordination is not great. I didn't grow up with like a lot of gaming systems. I I the last gaming system I got personally, like was a Nintendo sixty four. Mm. So to jump from a sixty four to like trying getting on a PlayStation remote, it's like no, it's not going to happen. So like I can't do anything too complicated. Anything that requires too much like hand-eye coordination. <laughs> Wait, you have a um, Switch, so this don't a you? Very... We're, we're, weren't we playing Animal Crossing during the pandemic? Yeah, I guess. A, I guess so. I guess I went from like a sixty-four to a Switch, but yeah, it's like okay. Animal Crossing. That's not. <laughs> that's not very coordinated. Yeah, yeah. You don't that's like that. the level in which I can operate on. You know, there's um, a game. So... There's a game mm-hmm. called um, A Little to the Left, which is a game about organizing shit. Ooh. I feel like that's something might, that might be up your alley. I can't even do that in my real life. Am I going to enjoy it in a game? Yeah, you organize stuff. And sometimes there's a cat that comes and messes things up. And you have to reorganize What? It. Can I kill this cat? Like, no. Can I, <laughs> can cat, I kick it out at least? Sorry, that, maybe that was a little too intense. But I'm like, can I like, <laughs> can I like remove this cat? I don't know. I actually never, my wife plays that game, but I have not touched it yet. So I, I, I couldn't okay, tell I'll you. I'll go look at it. I'll go look at it. <laughs> huh. That voice being appalled by Jess's <laughs> threats of violence to cats is our own professional coach editor, Han Win. Hey. Hey, Han. How is, um, we'll, we'll, get, we'll go over more of this because it is the end of the month. So this is our Do We Want This mm-hmm. edition of Good Pop, which means we'll be, we'll be going over the latest um, Asian American, Asian American adjacent entertainment news. But how's it been now that um, the entertainment industry is kind of ground to a halt? Oh, my God. Um. So, I mean, in my line of work, we've just had to pivot more. It's not like we did a ton of interviews with actors, but the fact that I can't talk to writers or actors has been making my job a little harder when it comes to uh, interviews. But then also there's so many other ways that it's been affecting us because we don't assume that the Emmys is going to happen because who wants to tune into the Emmys just for writers or directors I mean, because there are no writers. Um, and so, yeah, it's like, they're not the most photogenic people. Um, oh. <laughs> well, that's why the, those things are televised is people want to see stars. And then, um, and then TCA press tour is not happening because we are, uh, we canceled it in solidarity with the writers guild. So, um, so that's not happening. There's just a lot of shit going down everywhere. Comic-Con was a, like a nightmare, like dead. I didn't go, but... Or um, some might say Comic-Con went back to the comics. Which, you know, that's nice. I honestly, now I kind of wish I went, but um, 
It's fine. Uh, just <laughs> there's just a lot going down, and it feels like everything is tinged with strikes and unions. So, um, in my line of work. So. Well, as of today, at least, um, UPS has come to terms with its union, so we're not going to get a debilitating oh, supply chain strike. Yeah, I mean, Whew. thank God. And there was no way the like UPS corporation people were going to like be able to actually, you know, not like not call the bluff or call their bluff. Mm-hmm. not called the bluff like dude like you they're physically you no one can handle the volume of ups if ups goes down like literally mm-hmm. yeah supply chain goes down it's gonna be like uh suez canal 2.0 <laughs> so when you look at the numbers you're like yeah just fucking give them whatever they want who's gonna deliver all our little amazon packages <laughs> oh yeah. amazon also, themselves, my, probably. Yeah. also my my cat really likes to greet the delivery people um in front of my house and she really likes the post office guy so you know yeah. it'll be very sad if she doesn't have people to greet because i'm just working all day yeah so uh, hot labor summer continues <laughs> oh god and it is hot <laughs> it is oh my god it's Supposedly, it's, this is going to be the coolest summer we're going to have for the rest of our lives. Of course it is. I am very happy I'm not planning to have any children, and I hope to be out by, like, 88. Peace, y'all. <laughs> 88. Lucky 88. Yeah, auspicious, you know, like, you know, hopefully before all the, like, you know, you know the age where, like, you get injured and you can't heal again. Like, I don't need that. I'm go- <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. I've lived a good life. Um, hopefully by then and I do not want to like the under boob sweat right now is terrible can you imagine 88 year old under boob sweat there's so many folds no absolutely not I do not want to be there first wave baby take me out (laughs) I'm just glad my Vegas trip was last month and not this month oh my god seriously I run hot anyway and so now I'm just like am I just warm or is it a hot flash like it's a fun (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! It's like, am I that old, or is it, you know, like it's very hard for me to tell if I'm just getting warm faster or what. So yeah, yay, <laughs> yay, women. <laughs> well, like we mentioned, we're going to be discussing our, the latest entertainment news, um, and just forewarning, it is a pretty light entertainment news month, um, probably due to all the labor actions going on. So. Um, we're going to play it fast and loose with the pop culture news this month. So, But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is beginning us through this week. Uh, Jess, what is popping? I got to partake in a pop culture event that I have been very looking forward to. It was one of the... This is the last time I feel like I was very, very excited to go to the movies um, because... You know, a lot of times, you know, especially in the work we do, we we kind of see how the sausage gets made. We know a little too much. I knew absolutely nothing about this. I got to go in as just like a fan. I went to go watch Barbie on Thursday night in all pink. Uh, I ate I a dinner at Apple's Bees <laughs> right before. And then we popped into the movie and I had a fan fucking tastic time. Um. I will disclaim, I am a Greta Gerwig stan. Mm-hmm. Everything she's made has made me sob uncontrollably. And I also disclaim that I actually am an inner white woman. Um, and and this movie really, really just strikes a chord right there in that middle uh, intersection. 
I didn't even grow up with Barbies. I don't have a sentimental attachment to Barbies. I was like the youngest. So, you know, all my Barbies were weird Barbies by the time they got to me. <laughs> um, and it was, I think also being the youngest, you pick up on some things like you, you kind of want to be cool, like your older siblings or your older cousins. So, you know, they're over Barbies. You don't want to be like the kid playing with Barbies, but it's just such a fun movie. I had no idea what to expect. And I did not expect it to be that. Um, I won't spoil anything, but it's so funny. It's smart in that Greta Gerwig way, but it's like silly in a loving way. It's camp. Um, Margot Robbie is fucking fantastic. I know Ryan Gosling has been getting a lot of love and he he's great in it, but like Margot Robbie really just plays tonally everything. The costuming is fantastic. The, um, the set design has been talked about and lauded well enough apparently like i saw i read this article they apparently made everything in barbie land 23 percent to this like to to the size of margot robbie because in the do, in do, that's how like dolls are proportioned mm-hmm. um just really fun cast just and, and again i cannot overemphasize the the common thread of like a millennial woman experience some of the jokes in there um <laughs> just just really hit I don't know if y'all have seen it, but every scene with a guitar kind of just took me out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have just nev- not been seen like that in a very long time. And then after the movie, which I had a really fun time, you know, I went home, I slept exactly 24 hours from watching the movie. I thought about it again while I was taking a bath and I got sent into an <laughs> existential crisis spiral <laughs> and I started crying in my bed yes. for no reason other than the fact that I was just thinking about Barbie, the movie, and everything she was saying in that movie, she being Greta Gerwig, and Margot Robbie, who not only, um, you know, stars in it, but produced it. Yeah. And you can tell she had a lot of, her and Greta have this real, had this really lovely partnership, artistic partnership and like sensibility going in, just watching all the press and interviews, um, you know, everything that seems silly actually has like three layers of like thought behind it, like on a movie level, on a feminism level, and then like kind of on this like, you know, like corporate brand level, which is really impressive because they were able to do this while serving all masters kind of a thing. So really recommend it, especially if you are a woman or a woman identifying. Um, If you love Barbies, I think men need to see this movie too. But like my take from the internet is that men are really missing the whole fucking point, (laughs) which proves the point of Barbie. So it's like very ironic because like... It's the wrong men who are missing the point because yes. they're the loudest, let's just say. Yes. Um, I'm happy to say my husband, at one point, I like checked in with him because every time I've, we've watched several Greta Gerwig movies together in theaters mm-hmm. and me, one of them we watched with his sister and we were like sobbing so hard. We could not, <laughs> at the end of Little Women, we like could yes. not yes. leave until like the credits rolled and like we had to like collect ourselves to like physically be able to walk to the car and we're like, why aren't you? He's like, yeah, I teared up. But, you know, he's a man. He's not going to truly mm. understand that visceral feeling. But after Barbie, I was like asking him, was like, what, you know, what did you think? And he was like, I felt so cringy because I saw myself in some of the Ken behavior. Like, I've oh. definitely done some of those things. Um, and he's owned up to it. And he's like, he's like, oh, God, like both like I must acknowledge. Yes, I need to sit in this because I have done those things. Not even the terrible things, but you know, he has some of the guitar stuff. And um and he's like, and I recognize this movie. I can 
was it sympathize but i cannot empathize oh, <laughs> i was like that's fair good job but also, you know he didn't get sent into an existential crisis yeah, yeah. i did but like so, all greta gerwig movies kind of send me into an existential mm-hmm. crisis so so would you say this film attacks men more or less than joyride does more because I think it yes. attacks more of the mortal wounds that men <laughs> cry about and then try to use violence and power and being shitheads to cover. Yeah, I think Joyride, some people could probably get out of that movie just saying, oh, poor basketball team, like individuals. But this takes on patriarchy. So uh, Barbie mm-hmm. hits all men. <laughs> I'll probably watch it at some point. It's oh just, my god! It's you a, have to. It's a good. T- it's, a, it's a good it's time. Classic. It's so fun. It's so funny. <laughs> um, it's really good time. And again, like, I cannot wait for the Halloween costumes. I I'm like thinking so, about which one to be. Han, I like the. I have a question. Since yes, you, you didn't do Barbara Heimer, but you did Barbie and Oppenheimer. I, which so, is yeah, your I recommendation? Did, <laughs> I did them two two days apart, so um, it's almost like I did Op and Barbie. Uh, or Barbie Hammer, whichever you want to call it. Um, no, I recommend both. Um, it's just, you know, with the first one, be aware that, you know, women are not treated that great. And then in the second one, be aware that men aren't treated that great. <laughs> but, I actually think but it's men, for a men, point. men, yeah, men, the men not being treated great in the, that movie is actually, it's not that bad. It's not that honestly, bad. And, and it's part of the movie versus I just don't think Christopher Nolan he never knows how to deal knows with Knows how to write a woman. No, no. So that's why it's almost like I felt it was good for me to have an almost double feature was to balance it out. Um, there are, of course, issues with Oppenheimer when it comes to, you know, the subject matter. But I think it's an incredibly well done movie despite the issues. Um, so it really is whatever your flavor. I ended up being able to appreciate both for various reasons. Um, but yeah, it like, if you like historical things, you like, you know, sort of harder things that like Jess and I find very depressing. <laughs> so you might like it. I guess, um, but I'm also not it's visually chopping very at the bit well to watch a story about a tortured genius who ended up, you know, creating yeah. the tools in which humanity will probably kill itself with. Yeah. I mean, if that's not your thing, then definitely you don't have to, I, but I think you could probably yeah. still enjoy Barbie no matter what. Um, with with your partner, perhaps, uh, would be a good idea. <laughs> I also just find it like I walked out of Barbie and I'm just like, again, not knowing much about what it actually was about. And I'm like, oh, my God, the people doing the Barbenheimer double feature tomorrow are mm-hmm. not going to be OK. Like, it's oh, yeah. too much existential crisis for yep. one day. Yeah, I'm glad I split it apart. But even coming in all mm-hmm. sides, right, like in all tones, all sides in a domestic micro level and then the macro like world ending level. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I hope everyone is OK tomorrow. <laughs> um, I so I made my writer do the Barbenheimer experience. And so she wrote about it. But uh, so this is kind of what her take was. Uh, It's the closest that any of us may come to passing through a black hole and emerging into the other side into a cheerier existence. So yes, that's kind of like what you're in for if you do the whole Oppen Barbie Barbenheimer experience. I got to say, if my boss made me watch five hours of existential crises movies, I would strike too. (laughs) <laughs> my writer has not struck <laughs> she also 
this meant that she got to watch it in the middle of the day. And so she left, you know, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I would say space it out, give yourself time to process and like cleanse and like ground, go touch some grass. Yeah. You know, talk to your family, (laughs) like ground yourself and then like go in for the next round. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you did enjoy Oppenheimer, read up on the history because there's a lot that doesn't get said in that film. Oh, I did. I went on this weird Wikipedia dive and I'm just like, this man really wanted to fuck everybody else's wife. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just that's not his own? That That's also somewhat uh, alluded, not even alluded to, but shown in the movie. I'm just like, you messy. Like, ooh, who are you? Ariana Grande? Like, you only <laughs> like someone who's taken? Yeah. Sir, like, people. Oh, like, my God. I also just over and over again am constantly surprised. Not even surprised, but just like in awe of the, the fact that women just like genius that much. Like, what is it about these men? I don't get it. I've been around geniuses. They don't, they're not that. <laughs> they're good. usually insufferable. Right. And so, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Also, just read up on the actual consequences of those bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and also on the um, residents of New Mexico living near the test sites because yes, that's yes. a whole thing that they don't talk about. Yeah, they it was it was that is a concern that people have brought up. Obviously, that was on my mind during the whole movie. Um, That is not the story that was told clearly. So that, again, is up to you whether or not you want to watch that kind of movie. And I got to say, I've been reading this course and the worst thing that comes out of this film and specifically anytime the U.S. plays Japan in a national sport Mm -hmm. is the um, the bomb was justified bros come out in force trying to defend Oh my god. <laughs> that that is the one thing that I fortunately at least the film bros that I know have not dared to say to me. Um <laughs> they're just like, yeah, that wasn't covered in the movie, but they're like everything else. <laughs> um huh. anyway. Anyways, Han, take us back. Yeah. Take us out of here. Take us take us out of here. Take us out of existential crisis zone and into a K-drama zone. Yeah, so this K-drama is something that I think actually a lot more people would enjoy beyond the usual uh, rom-coms or, or romantic fa- faded loves and all that type of stuff. Uh, it's called The Uncanny Counter. It is on Netflix. Um, I am catching up on it because season two is coming out, I believe, this week. Uh, season one, uh, I'm, let's see, two episodes till the end. What I like about it is that it is a um, action uh, horror um, maybe the closest you could say is sort of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah, that gives like angel vibes too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you don't want to cite Joss Whedon, but he, <laughs> that really is the best you know way I can explain it because it is uh, regular folks who all of a sudden get these powers and they're called counters and they fight uh, these evil spirits that um, instead of going to hell, they take over. Um, evil people, their bodies, and they make them do bad things. So they need to, first of all, stop the person from, let's say, killing or doing whatever. And then they need to exorcise the demon or spirit from the person and send them to hell. And then they get, like, the police to, like, lock up the person. So here's the fun thing about it. Um, There are many fun things, in fact. (laughs) But uh, one of them is when you are a counter. So first of all, they don't just pick a random person. Usually you're supposed to be someone who is like on death's door in a coma. So you get the choice. Go back to your life and be a counter or you can go to heaven or whatever it is and you can pass on. So it's kind of like they're not just plucking randoms. Um, 
Second thing is uh, the counters we are following, they all work at a noodle shop together. Um, and so they kind of pretend they're like a family, but they're not really a family. And then the third thing is when you become a counter and get these powers, all of a sudden your hair gets permed. <laughs> so oh. you, you just get curly hair for some reason. I mean, I we, think... we understand as Asians the power of the perm. Yeah. And you know what? Some of them look really pretty cute, which is interesting. Um, but it is, it's a very fun tell. I'm sure that the, you know, I think this must have been based off of some sort of webtoon or something. Like there must. Yeah, I think um, you can read it now on Tapas, the webtoon app, and um, I think it might be finished. Maybe. Yeah. So they might explain it more, perhaps in there, but it's not really explained here. But it's just a fun visual thing because, like, the main person we follow is this 18 year old kid who was like bullied a lot, and so when he all of a sudden gets powers, then his friends are like, "What?" They look, they're looking at his hair. He's like, what just happened? He's like, Arr. um, but, uh, what's great about it is, you know, it's, there's a whole discussion of like the reason why, you know, you get these powers and you send these people to hell and stuff there. Um, uh, you each get a sort of a counterpart in the afterlife to help you out and they talk to you. Um, and then they're like, you know, it's just the same as, you know, the afterlife except here. And, but she's like, wait. But you get justice if you have these powers. So he's like, so that's different from the regular world. And so they take on not just demons, but then, of course, there's a uh, big plot that includes corruption in police department, in the uh, government um, that goes deep uh, in in the city planning and also the stuff. So it's also about corruption. There's, uh, there's stories about... School bullying, it's pretty bad bullying, but not as bad as in the glory. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that it tackles, but it's also still funny. Um, a lot of, if you watch K-dramas, you might recognize a lot of people. Um, some of the counters, the one of the main uh, counters is the star of Business Proposal. Um, also, there's a person from Alchemy of Souls, someone from the glory. What I'm excited about coming into the second season is that they've shown already a lot of the cast members and one of the new cast members is someone from the good bad mother. And then there's a cast member who's from attorney Wu, but he gets to play a demon. And that's really exciting to see him wearing this makeup and look totally different. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of excited that this is a, just a fun, satisfying show. They put kids in danger a lot, but they always get saved. So if, if you're worried about that, but you know, it, it, it can get a little grim at times. There's some there's some tears shed at moments. Um, but yeah, overall, I found it really, really satisfying to watch. Yeah. Now, Marvin loves his children in immediate eminent <laughs> danger and in the middle of a war. They also wear red tracksuits. Did I mention that? That's another good thing. So, um, yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's just a it's a good time, I think. Yeah. Not, not- Actually, update. Um the webtoon is actually still ongoing. The third season oh, is that still, makes sense. yeah. So it's not it's not done yet. So. so there might be another season of this. Who knows? But we'll this see is how this season. This is distressing to me because after watching like an adaptation, I like going back to source material and like reading everything and knowing mm-hmm. that it's not finished. Really, like puts a damper <laughs> on my enthusiasm. Yeah. It it really depends on me because sometimes I will be like, no, I'm going to read all the source material first. But when it comes to like uh, Korean dramas and other Asian dramas, I noticed I don't want to. I want to wait until the show is finished and then I'll read the source material. 
because there are too many differences in adaptation, I feel, that yeah. I kind of want to enjoy it. You have way more patience than I do. That being said, I still <laughs> have not read any Grishaverse, and I have watched Shadow and Bone. Oh, I, di- I, did, I did read um, Alice in Borderland um, and then watch the series, so... Yeah. But there were similarities, you know. It was a good time. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so that's me, uh, Marvin. What is popping with you? Well, crossing over, <clears throat> well, moving on from the land of K dramas into the land of anime. Um, <laughs> I've been catching up on a series on Crunchyroll that we actually talked about in the Slack mm-hmm. group that we're all in, and it's thanks to Han that I checked out the series <laughs> called um, "The Masterful Cat Is Depressed Again Today." This is amazing. Explain title. which is <laughs> amazing title. A, it's a slice of life comedy series about a um, salaried woman named Saku who um, lives alone with her cat. But the catch is the cat is the size of a human. Oh, and is, oh there we go. And is really good at housework. The cat is a master <laughs> chef. The cat cleans oh my God, the apartment. That so cute. Um, the cat takes care of his owner's diet. Um, <gasps> oh my God, I love him. <laughs> Yeah, so the funny thing is, um, even though the cat can do all these amazing things, it still acts like a cat. When Saku is sleeping, the cat likes to sleep on top of her and, like, bat her face to wake her up. Um, You do get some of the inner monologue of the cat. The cat says, I'm only taking care of my master because I need her to feed me. But you can tell it's because he really loves her, but he'll never admit it because he's a cat. So this is really fucking cute. Oh my god! Also, I'm just like, wow. Where can I get a cat like this? Like, who who needs who needs a man when you have a cat? Hopes you yeah, thought your housework. Pretty amazing. The cat wore special gloves that allows it to um hold things. I guess. Oh, have like a, a posable thumb. Like yeah, that. which is you know some of the things you have to kind of suspend your disbelief. Mainly the part about having a human sized cat that does your housework for you. Um, no, that's just like having like a tiger who like <laughs> does stuff for you. That's really cute. Yeah. So the anime is produced by Go Hands, which is an anime production company that's known and kind of infamous for producing shows that are really weird to watch because of all the uh. CG they use. They use a it's a lighter touch in this show. You do definitely notice when CG is being employed in the show, but it's not as jarring as some of their other series. Um, but because they love using those CG effects, there's a lot of Dutch angles, like a lot of just perspectives oh, cool. and stuff. Which I love that. Which is actually kind of jarring, but not okay. enough to like take you out of it. Uh, but it does feel a little self-indulgent sometimes. But not enough to take away from the charm of the show. And for a comedy slice of life anime, it is a little slower paced. Um, for my taste, um, I prefer my comedy animes to have a little bit more um, jokes per minute. But for a show you can just put on and chill too. I think it gets a job done. And... Mm-hmm. I think for you, Han, as someone who likes cats, um, I think you'll probably get more out of it, too, because the cat is pretty. It's funny because the cat um, so far, I have not seen the depression yet, but the cat is very like dour the entire time. Do you just watch him doing chores? Yeah, kind of. Um, the cat um, makes bentos for its owners for oh. work. The cat does chores around the house. The cat takes care of its oh neighbors. God. And when the owner comes home late, the cat gets mad at them because the dinner no. is cold. All oh, this sounds so cute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, is the full season out? No, it's, I think only four episodes out so far. It's a summer anime. So the summer season just started a couple weeks ago. Okay, um, but let you can me, watch it on Crunchyroll. I will uh, get a subscription once it's nearly done. <laughs> so I can binge it. <laughs> I don't think it's 
personally, I don't think it's a bingeable show because of the slower pace. I think it works really good as like a weekly treat uh, to treat yourself to some cat chore hijinks. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like I, I fear that I will watch this and then get really mad at like Raymond and be like, <laughs> do you see what this cat does? Because, you know, the more you're like, it's like propaganda, right? Like the more you see something over and over again, the more you like, like if you're on TikTok and you can get like sucked into like an incel hole or something. I was like, look at how well <laughs> this cat takes care of his humans. Like, why can't you be this cat? <laughs> we all should aspire to be just like the masterful cat who may or may not be depressed. Uh, but yeah, it's um, streaming now on Crunchyroll. So if you have a subscription, you can catch it there along with some other really great shows that are out this season that um, I may cover um, over the next few weeks. But yeah, I guess with that, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're going over the latest Asian American and Asian American adjacent entertainment news with our monthly news segment, Do We Want This? So uh, stick around. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hey, I'm Bill Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we've got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace. All right, and welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. It is time for our July 2023 edition of Do We Want This? Our monthly news roundup where we go around and discuss some of the latest Asian American and Asian American adjacent entertainment news and ask ourselves if we want this. Um, like I mentioned before, it's a pretty slow month for entertainment news. That's not to say things aren't happening, um, but um, we've kind of opened up our, our net to catch some, you know, some more entertainment adjacent and pop culture adjacent news. But I guess to start off, uh, we should discuss the reason why the news may be a little bit slow this month. And that's because the... Um, WGA and now SAG after strike is still ongoing. The studios have not met the unions at the table yet. And so uh, work stoppage has continued, which has led to a lot of, um, let's say, empty looking premieres and PR um, events. Um, but one thing that I did learn over the past few weeks uh, because of the strike is um, 
Tree law. I learned that tree law was a thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, you're, are you not on that side of the internet? We love tree law. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. It's very thing. expensive. Please, what? Oh, yeah. There's like a whole segment of the internet, like specifically Reddit, about tree law. And basically, like, trees are just very expensive in terms of, like, property. So if you, like, cut your neighbor's tree down... um. Because tree, you know, mature trees tend to be very old. Like you, mm. it, you can't just like I'm gonna get another oak tree and like put it in. It like can cost you like tens of thousands of dollars in damages. Like yeah, so you don't fuck around like with tree law. There's like people who specialize in tree law, um, and there's like arborists who like determine like how much damage was caused to the tree and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, we talk about this in relation because you know Universal, NBC Universal prune their trees during the heat wave and as this is um during during the la heat wave to make protesting more difficult this is in addition to quote-unquote sidewalk work they've been doing Mm. um and then apparently those trees were actually the property of la county and they did not apply for the right permits to do any work on them and this is the wrong season to prune a tree (laughs) So, so yeah. they're trying to claim, you know, NBC is trying to claim that this is like routine maintenance. They're like, bitch, you do not prune a tree in the height of summer. Yeah. So, um, yeah, on the internet, don't fuck with cats. Don't fuck with trees. Don't, don't cut down a tree that's not yours. <laughs> Interesting. What happens if a tree just falls by itself because of natural? Yeah. Um, I think that's different because there's no one at fault. I think this is right. more okay. in the attempt to... Um, Maybe not strike ah. bust, but to make it harder for the strikers. Um, the powers yeah, that, that be kind of the, the, own themselves. The strike shenanigans just have been just demoralizing. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion in the um, influencer sphere too on like what does and does not count as scabbing, mm-hmm. um, which is especially I think it's especially confusing because a lot of oh. influencers have acting aspirations. So. Yeah, I mean, influencers in general are also just sort of like a gray area when it comes to a lot of stuff, because um, just like with the writer strike and the actor strike, certain things have not caught up with technology when it comes to who gets what and how they are compensated. So what is an influencer? They are also part of this digital age. Don't yeah. know yeah. where they belong. What are reality <laughs> stars? Uh uh, Bethany Frankel out there trying to get <laughs> some some compensation for reality stars too, even though they don't have a union. So kind of everyone is definitely sort of touched and trying to figure out. They're all having existential crises. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But also like, you know, best practice is like, don't cross the picket line, bitches. Um, and if you choose to do so uh, and you don't, I just feel like, you know, not surprisingly, labor history is also not well taught in our school system. <laughs> and, um, you know, d- consequence of dedicated defunding of our institution. <laughs> we talk about that's a different podcast. So a part of me is like not surprised that like maybe they don't really understand what this means. But it's also like, bro, like all of human knowledge is in your hand. Like, just Google it. And and I believe SAG after does cover influencers for some content creators for some things. Um, so... Like, like even before the strike happened. So I'm just like, oh, it's also just not a good luck. Like, who wants to be a scab? No. Like, we need a harsher word, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, or we need to re-stigmatize what it means to, like, cross a picket line. 
Uh, like, there ain't, there's not enough shaming going around. Like, I think we need to shame some people. Yeah. I mean, shame. there is a shame going on, but I think with, you know, canceling being like a major part of online platforms, there are like refuges for these people to go to, um, like echo chambers where they don't have to deal with that shame. And for the most part, like the shame online is largely performative and rarely is there any like real long lasting consequences past the short term, you know? Unless, you know, then they can't enter a union ever. And, you know, we understand that they're not homies because strikes, when when workers win strikes, everybody, w- working class people win. I'm like, we're never going to be millionaires. So, you know, like, yeah, again, I mean, those are the consequences, I guess. And it's just the result of like having an ecosystem of influencers that are so tied to having, you know, corporate support that... It's hard to look past like your short term needs as like a content creator. There's right? no accountability. And I think hopefully they, f- you know, I do hope if they fuck around this case, they find out that like if you choose <laughs> to break, if you try to choose to cross picket line, whether it's like, I also feel like people don't understand like there's a metaphorical picket line sometimes. <laughs> Am I thinking people are too stupid? Yes. I think people just can't look beyond themselves, right? Like people can justify anything. And if you can justify it, then I mean, it's, the whole reason our world is in this mess to begin with is because people don't, like I said, people have no long-term view on anything anymore. Like, it's not my problem right now, so I'm just going to do X, Y, Z. Yeah, don't do that. Don't <laughs> fucking sell out, you know, your, don't don't sell out your peeps to to make the billionaires happy. <laughs> just, just don't. Just don't. I blame just our aspirational society. Like we've we were raised in aspirational media, so we all do feel, wish we were billionaires. I also do feel like maybe sometimes content creators like it is such a weird job, like, and it's it's so about them. Um, I'm mm-hmm. just like, you know, maybe sometimes they do lose sight, and you hear about this kind of in the smatterings, right? You're there, like, oh, they get so big, and then they get rude, or like, you know, it, yeah. and it happens. It happens with some actors too, but it's just like. I mean, I feel like ultimately there's a cost to, there's a social cost to all this stuff, right? Like, um, I recently read an article about, like, the children of mommy bloggers, like, growing up and oh, realizing. Oh, they're going to be so fucked in the head. I they're already so suing their for parents them. for, like, you know. It's yeah. so fucked up. It's so fucked up. I feel so bad for those kids. Um, and then, yeah, no, it's, we're creating a whole new slew of problems for the next generation but you know not my kids but they're gonna be like my doctors i guess and you know hopefully they'll get me to 88 and then i can die (laughs) so yeah i guess to wrap around to the story do we want this we want the strike we don't want the scabs um and we hope that things will we want the workers to win (laughs) we want the unions to win yeah all right um han (laughs) <laughs> What's our next story? This is a, this is a good one. I'm really excited about this one. Oh, okay. So, uh, we were all very sad and shooketh when we heard that Padma Lakshmi was leaving Top Chef. She's had she had a really good run, 19 seasons, ended it with the World All Stars. So you know she's done a good job. But we were waiting to see who the next uh, host would be. We all were. Basically hoping it would be another person of color, preferably a non-man. And yes, this is what we got. So the new host, Top Chef host, will be Kristen Kish. Uh, If you do not recall, she is the winner of Top Chef Seattle. She fought a valiant battle 
went out during Restaurant Wars, went to Last Chance Kitchen, battled it up there, came back, and then won the whole thing. So she is just a formidable uh, uh, chef, so she knows her cooking, but she's also gone on to become quite the uh, food personality. She's hosted many things, including Fast Foodies, and then I think there's a show on Netflix or something. Uh, there's yeah. also or restaurant like Discovery at, something. There's like. restaurant at the end of the world, and um, oh, she also went the Netflix thing I was thinking of was uh, Iron Chef, whatever battle, um, where she was a host, and so uh, yeah, she's been all over the place. She's been working hard after her win. She's not resting on her laurels, so I think it's well deserved. I like her. Um, so for that, I ask, do we want this? Hell yes, the best possible. Again, no one can replace Padma. We love Padma. But she is really the only logical choice to step in for Padma. Yeah, I do love that. Like Han mentioned, has been cutting her teeth hosting since her Top Chef win. And I remember her being pretty solid in the the latest Iron Chef. Um, Which is also a reason why I was kind of not expecting her because I thought she'd be tied up with like Iron Chef and her other shows. So I was actually pleasantly surprised that she got the call. Yeah, and I think what adds an extra element to this is she is also openly queer. And so we got like all the intersections right there in one host. So here's the second part of my do we want this is the first season that she is going to be uh, hosting for Top Chef when we return is in Wisconsin. So how random. (laughs) I mean, this is very much my Colstow City, like liberal elite bias showing. But like, how random. Um. Like we were, I was talking to my other friend about this. I was like, "Oh, like, well, like we got, we'll probably have a cheese curd moment." I know very little about little Wisconsin. About Wisconsin, so, I know more about like Minnesota, or yeah. you know, like I've seen, you know, like or like a bigger region. But like w- Wisconsin is. I mean, are there eth- according I'm sure to... there are ethnic people in Wisconsin, but like, <laughs> what ethnic people are in Wisconsin? Yeah, I mean, according to the Madison, Wisconsin tourism site, Madison, Wisconsin has the largest producer-only farmers market in the country, award-winning okay. chefs, and um, I guess cheese. So, I, I mean, we're probably getting like a Midwest-themed well, season. Look, yes, but I also am assuming like they got to have some native peoples there, right? <laughs> like yes, everywhere i yeah. hope so like they did in portland <laughs> yeah um i mean i technically i know like minneapolis is like just a little bit over the border and there's obviously a lot there's like a big Hmong population like there's there's interesting stuff there but you know then you wouldn't call it top chef wisconsin so so i so my uh, next question is usually the finale takes place in a different country maybe hopefully not just another city <laughs> um so I'm just curious, like, where the finale is going to be. Um, unless it's part of the territorial U.S. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they haven't done, like, an international one since COVID. So, yeah, I don't know. right, right. Um, uh, I guess we'll see. But I'm willing to let Wisconsin sell me. And at the very least, sure. there will be cheese, which I guess is fine. Yeah, no, look, I'm not going to turn it down if for some reason they're like, you're, you're going to go visit Top Chef Wisconsin for <laughs> Restaurant Wars. No. Um, yeah. I'm also there. hoping for like <laughs> for Top Chef to continue its trend of like casting chefs of color and yes. because it's always fun to see like people of color crushing white people food. Let's have a l- lactose 
<laughs> oh my god, Jeez. lactose should 100% be the, a sponsor. Lactate? Lactate, yeah, yeah. Oh I think that would be fantastic. Like, make an all-dairy meal sponsored by lactate. <laughs> Sounds good. So, yes, that was my news. All right. Um, Jess, what's our next story? Emmy nominations came out. And again, kind of weird in face of, you know, the strikes. They So we'll see if they'll actually happen. Um, it's very white. <laughs> I, I have wrote my note. Dang, it's white. Uh, we have Shocking. a few nominees. I'm I mean, I feel like it's, it's I, I don't know how many nominees Emmys used to have. They have up to eight for some of the acting categories and like eight nominees. And then, you know... It's just so glaringly white, some of these. And when it's like four or five nominees, five is pushing it. But like, you know, when you have like four nominees, you're like, okay, like it's very white. Um, but it's for places when all eight of your nominees are white. Um, it's it's a little hard to ignore. Um, so, you know, one step forward, two steps back. Or two steps forward, one step back. Mm-hmm. Um, some it really feels like one four two back at this point. One one four two back. You know, di not not doing great right now. Um, it's, you know, COVID's over. We solved racism. It's I guess that's where we've landed. But there are some um, interesting, you know, nominations uh, in the AAPI with AAPI folks. So Beef has been nominated, which I did thoroughly enjoy as a series but as we talked mm-hmm. about like really shadowed on the mm-hmm. uh, casting and hard to give some of these folks a pass mm-hmm. specifically Stevian and Ali Wong because they were major producers of this and you know stood behind that decision when it was initially made and kind of doubled down on it and did really bad crisis response to it so that's kind of soured I think the whole experience um, young Mizuno, though, who plays his kind of dumbass brother, who was great in the show, got nominated as well, though. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which was, you know, headed by the director Deborah Chow, got nominated for Best Limited Series. I have not watched it. That's wild I to me. I have not heard Obi-Wan Kenobi. not great things about this. Yeah, that's that's wild to me. That show was objectively not great. It, it was IP, I think, that got it over the line there yeah that show was so forgettable i literally don't remember if i finished it so i just remember grateful for the uh, renewed interest in hayden christensen i have a very lovely picture of hayden christensen diego luna from the hollywood actors on actors vanity fair interview framed next to my bed i'm not even kidding um it is it is (laughs) i bought a frame for it and everything that that fucking magazine cost me eleven dollars I mean, Hayden, uh, <laughs> Hayden was great. They kind of, they, they did the CGI DAG on him, which is a weird choice. Um, and I don't know. There's a scene, Jess. There's a scene where they escape a highly guarded imperial fortress, um, hiding a kid under a coat. Sure. You know, whatever works. <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani got nominated for his role in the Chippendales drama, which I didn't even know came out. Whoopsies. <laughs> Again, this is state of media. Yeah. Now. How, do, how did we miss this? I feel like this would have been something that we discussed on this show. I don't know. Did I, it come out during May when we were all busy and like being Asian? I, I remember it came out and the, the reviews were eh. So that's why I didn't even check it out. So we didn't cover it at Salon even. Kumail Nanjiani also in Obi-Wan Kenobi. What the fuck? Well, <laughs> he, was, he was good in that one. I, I do remember him in that. 
So, um, you know, there's just too many things. And then Fire Island uh, is also nominated. That was great. So, and that that was great. So, very happy for Joel Kim Booster, Andrew On, and Boning, and the rest of the fam. So, yeah, do we want this? I, I mean, half of them. It's kind of shaping up to be kind of a boring Emmys. Like, I think Succ- yeah. Succession and White Lotus are going to just, just sweep everything, and those two casts are very white. Yes, <laughs> as as we costly discuss in about white lotus it's so white it's so white it's so white and and yet the next season he wants to set in asia and i was like no i mean like, yes. in a better world i think like andor should be sweeping everything and andor i would love so to good. see like diego luna tony gilroy like just destroy yeah but i think they're the gonna Emmys. get like last season bias um and i do feel like everyone has good feelings about how succession stuck the landing yeah i mean succession um, is a good show though yeah succession is yeah. good and <laughs> the fact that many of the family members are related to each other i'm like okay you can be white but um but i do have to say yeah. like a white lotus it gets so much attention when the show is i personally don't think is that great it's fine it just has the sunday night birth and you know people are used to hbo being that like go to i mean look house of the dragon got nominated that crap show over rings of power rings of power besides having a bigger budget was a better show objectively um <laughs> all right subjectively too but <laughs> like well did you watch house of the dragon i didn't okay so even i think you would say rings of, rings power, of power looked better for sure i yes. liked rings of power but i wouldn't say it's i mean i didn't watch house of the dragon i didn't yeah. i haven't actually I've never watched Game of Thrones in like right. like the actual show. I've only watched it through like recaps Clips. online. Right. So this is exactly what I'm saying though is when it comes to Emmys, we're not actually talking about what's more worthier because if you, you know, if you actually watch both House of the Dragon and Rings of Power, I think you would say House of the Dragon is even worse than Game of Thrones. And that's, you know, has it had its ups <laughs> and downs. So House of the Dragon was Sunday Night Birth, it had the IP, people watched it. It was a really bad show, but it's like just like and just like that, the sequel to Sex in the City, people watch it. People talk about it just because. Oh my god, it's so bad, it's great. Right. And that's <laughs> it ex- really is. that's exactly but should it win awards? No. No. I but guess, it, yeah, but like, House of the Dragon got nominated. Yeah. See, that's what I mean. You know, yeah. some things just that are not worthy get nominated because people are used to it. I mean anyway. Succession and, like, and White yeah. Lotus. I enjoyed watching it. It didn't like I didn't feel anything and it was fun to laugh at like rich white people but at the same time it's like that's all you're really doing like nothing really fired me up like andor did um and it's like anti-establishment like uh yeah. revolutionary fervor I, but- I think it's sometimes easier though for like the vast majority of the people voting to be like you know this is an easy watch because it's just rich white people gallivanting in a beautiful italian setting and we don't have to have the discourse within the show if it did this well, if it did that well, you know, like, so, um, I mean, I think this is also just indicative of overall state of things of like when the shows, what shows are getting nominated, who's getting roles. And yeah, one step forward, one step back. Uh, so, eh. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Marvin. What's next? 
Yeah, so on this week's trailer watch, um, a One Piece live action trailer just dropped from Netflix. And I was actually pleasantly surprised, like given the last few attempts to do a live action adaptation of anime by Netflix. Um, this one seems to at least capture um, the soul of what One Piece is, uh, which is more than I can say for what they did with Cowboy Bebop. So uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the decades-long running series One Piece, it is a shonen uh, manga slash anime about a crew of pirates trying to become the best pirates in the world. So much like in other shonen series, it's a series of confrontations with stronger and stronger villains and our heroes triumph through adversity through the power of friendship and perseverance um there's a lot of really great um supernatural powers lots of awesome action scenes and because Mm -hmm. it's been running for decades it has a very large and very passionate fan base and by all accounts the vibes of this trailer really do capture like the swashbuckling nature of the one piece series And I'm actually glad that they're going for more of a one-to-one adaptation as opposed to like a reinterpretation um, like what they did with Cowboy Bebop. And unlike Cowboy Bebop, where the creator of the source material has famously uh, disavowed that series, um, the mangaka behind One Piece, Oda, actually gave the series his blessing after watching an early cut of it. So um, it has that going for it, too. It's uh, it's approved by the creator, which, which is a good thing. So do we want this? I'm unsure uh, as 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 someone who watched several of the thousands of seasons that the show has had. You know, I I, I definitely did enjoy it back in the day. Um, I, I guess I'm curious enough that I will check it out. I like you know that it does have that sort of integrity of you know um, with the originator. So you know, I guess I'll check it out and see. It's on Netflix, right? So. Um, it's live action, which I feel weirder about. <laughs> um, uh, cautiously, yeah. yes. I have yeah. never partaken in One Piece. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I know this bitch is never going to end it, and I'm yes. not setting myself up for that. Men, again, really need to learn how to end things. Um, so I'm just like, you know, I probably will not be partaking, but I want it to be good for, mm-hmm. you know, my my friends and loved ones like Marvin. <laughs> um, so he does not have to be sad when another live action Netflix adaptation <laughs> Uh, goes to shit yeah um and of course like you know i want my friends to work i want i want folks to work i want writers to work i want actors to work and you know this is a pretty uh asian heavy uh cast and and team i think so yeah. um one of the showrunners um steve maeda is japanese american his co-showrunner matt owens um, who also cut his teeth working on the early netflix mcu tv series is a black anime nerd and the cast is pretty diverse as well. So it has a lot of great things going for it. So, yeah. Um, I am also, I, I think I'm a little bit more than cautiously optimistic, but I'm looking forward to um, catching the show um, later this summer. Um, but, yeah, moving on. Uh, Han, what's our next story? <laughs> uh, this is something that just entertained me. Um, so... As of July 14th, a new song dropped that everyone was waiting for. Um, And when I mean everyone, it was like everyone in the world. Uh, This is Jungkook's uh, Seven, um, which refers to the seven days of the week. 
and how much he's going to be loving you. Uh, and there's this explicit version also that uses a different word. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the reasons why we I brought it up as actual news, though, is not just the fact that it dropped, but, you know, it is at the top of the Billboard 100 chart. Um, it's also probably at the top of many charts all around the world. But most specifically, it's beating out um, other sort of culture war songs, including one racist song um, by a country music artist I'm, I shall not name uh, that a lot of right wingers are trying to support because of this song that has like very problematic, violent lyrics. Um, but uh, I, I just think it's really funny because the song was basically everywhere in my consciousness for the first 24 hours it is now probably all over your instagram feeds and reels um and tiktoks and things like that uh it is being used as a soundtrack for like the i don't know just everyone these days and i just find it very entertaining because this is uh the youngest bts member um he is also the one who you know is probably like the lead vocalist he is not in the army yet uh or at the army he's not in the military yet and so he <laughs> yeah you have to clarify <laughs> yes. when he wants to go bts <laughs> yes uh so there's a few you know there's a few members in the military and so uh, the people who are still out are doing their various solo things this is his big solo foray and that's kind of consistently kept him um in the uh minds and hearts of the army of army the fandom um but yeah and i just it's it's become such a cultural thing that like everyone i know uh knows about this talked about it uh have have been weighing in on the the lyrics the 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 music video just everything so um yeah, I just like good for them. Um, overall, so even though I am not technically army, I am pro BTS because they um, tend to be very liberal, progressive, and talk a lot about mental health. So um, they're they're so far like all the good things um, with them. Can I share a fun story about how deep this has reached the mainstream? Uh, yes. How deep has uh, it? So my sister, who is not a not army, who does not participate very, she she like has too many friends in real life. I think so she doesn't really participate in like deep internet culture sure. um, for a lot of things. Um, she proceeded to tell me or ask me, "Hey, I really like that one song. Have you heard it? That one song from that one Korean guy." <laughs> I proceed to blank stare her. I'm like, "Did you just call Jungkook of BTS that one Korean guy?" And she, in fact, did. But yes, that song has reached many corners. Uh, so good for you, Jungkook. Yeah, I was about to say, I was going to ask, like, do we want this? And I say yes, but. <laughs> yes, yes, we all want. We Oh, we all want Jungkook. Uh, feel, I mean, he's he's a little too young for me, like, for for, for real. Like, but yes, he's he's a very handsome man, very talented. Um, And, and he really knows his day of the week. <laughs> yes. Uh that is correct. And you say there's also a book? They released. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think BTS released their like book recently. And it was, I only know this because people thought it might have been a Taylor Swift memoir. Oh, that's right. That's right. And so they were like buying it like blindly. It was like just an unreal pre-ordering it as like an unreleased title, high interest. 
And you're just like, no, it's BTS. So this is a hilarious thing for me because, yes, there was a lot of mysterious buzz from a publisher about um, a book that was being released. And so many people assumed it was Taylor Swift. So they pre-ordered it. And so now this means all these Swifties got this BTS book, <laughs> which, you know, it doesn't mean that the Venn diagram doesn't include them. Maybe it maybe it does. Um, but, yeah, I think it was June that they uh celebrated their 10th anniversary of being BTS, um, their debut. So uh, it's been a big year for BTS and yeah. summer. And so, yeah, this book, uh, we covered this on Books and Boba, but this book is their memoir covering their 10-year um, mm-hmm. history. And it's become the first book written by a Korean author to hit number one on the New York Times bestsellers list. What? Wow. Wow. Uh, by a Korean author, not even Korean-American or even also Korean-American <laughs> because we don't have Korean-Americans who get number one. Um, I don't think so. I don't. Yeah. Th- did, did Pachinko ever hit number one? I don't think it did. I don't think so. And I'm thinking about Eric, Eric Kim, the food, the who did his cookbook, but that the probably cookbook, didn't hit Korean number one. American. I can't think. Yeah, I can't think of yeah. any others that but would. But there's like the overall list, which is like really hard, right? Yeah. 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 It takes you're a right. lot of marketing power to get to the number one on that list. Yes. Well, it's the power of BTS. Just need to submit. Yeah. All of these. All of those. Those army. Amazing, right? All the army. That yes. bought the book. Good job, yeah. Marvin. Good job. <laughs> Good job, Dad. It's a, it's a very like European way of using like this. Uh, Wait. Co- so, remind me what it stands for again. It's it's just army. <laughs> it's adorable something, right? Hold on. It, does it? It stands for something. Yeah, it's an acronym. R-B-T-S. Adorable representative MC for youth. Yes. <laughs> wow, I did not know that. <laughs> and, that, and that's why Good we job. use it as a as a noun and not like an adjective and that's why it's yeah. always capitalized got it uh, <laughs> okay noted noted i guess they are adorable yeah it's interesting to me okay anyway oh yeah. yeah there's apparently a whole history of like fandom names yes yes yeah <sighs> anyway um anyways yeah congratulations <laughs> so, yeah. to um all BTS. the army out there and bts and jungkook for defeating <laughs> racism. It's closer than we've ever gotten before. Although yeah. racism did hit number two, which is not promising. That's not great. That's a different podcast. We'll talk about, <laughs> that's a different, keep, keep safe space. I, I mean, if we're looking at the whole uh, Billboard top 10, I will say that Olivia Rodrigo did make it also. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we have Asian. another Asian. Great. Yes. All right, Jess, what's our last story for the night? Our last story is the, okay, don't know if you knew. FIFA World Cup's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Women's teams are playing each other in football in football. Sydney. And the youngest player, I believe in history, definitely this year, is uh, is playing for South Korea. And she is a dual citizen of the United States and South Korea. Her name is Casey Fair from New Jersey. She's only 16. Oh, my goodness. What were you doing at 16? Um, and she's going, yes, she is the youngest debut in the women's world cup um so colombia did beat south korea but it's fine you know america is also going for a three-peat uh victory uh i believe the it's really sucks though because i googled this um so hot and i we watched the men's world cup final live <laughs> very early in the morning yes. in a random bar in like burbank no ho uh-huh. um 
Australia time is not great. No. For our time. I believe the final game takes place at 3 a.m. our time. Or like 4 a.m. our time. Yeah, I'll be very curious because the uh, usually the expat bars do open for the those yes. those get matches the big matches at least but 3 4 a.m is even early for me yes, that's five i would yes. do three like or, five six we did it last time we could do that yeah yeah three or four um, i think i'll just record it <laughs> sorry <laughs> but I, I i i am glad for the reminder um i do love to at least be part of the soccer when it is on a global scale. So I need to check out what the matchups are going to be. Like last time I heard there was something like Vietnam or US and I was like, I don't know who I want to vote. Oh yes. For. And you know, you know the result of that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, right. US women's team is just kind of unbeatable. Um, yes. Especially compared to a smaller country. Like yes, Vietnamese people, I, you know, do you, but yeah. So I think the fact okay. that Vietnam fielded the team in the world cup is, Victory enough. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> they did expand the number of teams this year. So that's really cool. And, you know, it's really awesome to see kind of the growth of, you know, women's sports on an international level. Um, and just, to, you know, also like, I, I, you're not going to find a more dramatic fucking like competition. And I do mean that in the sense like half these players have dated each other or are currently dating each other. Oh. Like we're talking transnational teams. Cause like, like a lot of these women are gay, yes. which we love. Um, so you have, you know, former former partners um, on the same team. You have former partners on opposite teams. You have current partners on opposite teams. So it's just like a really good story too. And like women play fucking tough in football soccer. Like it is the opposite of men's soccer where like those dudes cry and flop at every chance. There have been like women have like broken their arms and like be like fuck that I'm playing. Like I'm playing. Uh and it's just really it's really cool to see. Um so I'm excited. Um you know we I love uh I love the drama. I love the sports. You know, I I, I do wonder how far South Korea will get. I feel like South Korea has been like not terrible in the past. Am I making that up? Am I confusing that with the men's? I team? I could not say. I I don't know the men's versus women's that well. So, but it does look like that we have plenty of other games coming up. So hopefully they last soon. They last long. Yeah. But do we want this? I'm gonna answer for all of us. Yes, we do. <laughs> uh, we love uh, women supporting women. Marvin, you better support women. Um, and it's also like you kind of it, it is cool to see also that like even outside like they're getting more brand sponsors so mm-hmm. they're like rolling up in these really dope custom suits um, you know like Armani I think Prada is sponsoring the Chinese team women's team and they did like this big photo shoot and they all fucking look like really hot and awesome and powerful um, so let's just keep, keep I hope it keeps growing in that direction yeah I definitely like seeing like I think was it last since the last World Cup the women's national team at least in America has won if not parity at least a substantial pay bump compared to the men's team which is well deserved because they've yes. won the last two World Cups and so it's crazy that they weren't yeah. paid so much less than like the men's team who has like barely gotten out of like the breakout rounds yeah yes oh and another fun little story the uh, Philippines team one against New Zealand, Ooh. which is pretty awesome and a stunner. Mm-hmm. But they yeah. they're calling it a stunner um, because I believe. Uh, I sorry, it looks like New Zealand and Australia are co-hosting. Yes. Um. So, yeah. 
That is pre- first ever <laughs> World Cup victory for the Philippines. What, what was pretty the score? Pretty fucking cool. What's the score? One zero. That's pretty. But you know, that's football. That's yeah, all you I was need. about to say. That's pretty uh, debilitating. There, it's like, sorry, New Zealand, you Kiwis, I love you. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, w- women's World Cup is happening right now. Um, again, it's hard to watch because it's so late at night. But um, I will be keeping up. And you know, if if any of the teams that were into reach the the breakout rounds, I'll definitely be catching those games. So, um, yeah. I guess with that, that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go on I X? I don't know right now. <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to you. Did you, you see I think I'm just that gonna... the new tweet is now a zit? Or yes. God, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I know you sent us that photo. I'm not going to deal with it today. I, it's a Tuesday. I'm not, no. I am, it's too early in the week. I, I The one thing I will warn everyone is... If you do leave Twitter, keep your handle because you do not want someone taking over your handle and posting porn on it because that is what's happening for people <gasps> who have. Oh, no. Yes. Do not cancel your handle. Just keep it. Just squat it because, uh, yeah, there are several people who have like I checked them out because they're like former showrunners or things like that. And I was like, oh, you got porn on your, your oh, thread wow. now. Um, so whatever it is, just We all your... should have known that once um, Twitter got taken over, it eventually going to lead to porn. Yeah. What rule of the internet is that all roads lead to porn? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just that's just the one tip I will give you um, wherever you end up being. I am still not active, uh, but I am on threads which is part of the instagram and um blue sky with the same handle anonymous i i was thinking about possibly just starting to use threads just to talk about all the asian dramas that i've been watching because i feel like no one's reading threads anyway (laughs) so maybe that would be a good outlet for me to put some stuff on there um uh the only thing is of course threads is only on the app and i don't like typing a lot on my phone you know not not for long messages so we'll see if i decide to do that or not maybe i'll just do one summary like here are the 20 things i'm watching um but uh yeah blue sky and threads anonymous <laughs> where can we find you jess i, I don't know <laughs> don't i'll ask get me you next week i'll get you an invite sorry i can <laughs> yeah, ask me next week it's fine it's fine i i don't no one needs to know my stupid little thoughts um just don't look for me <laughs> You can find the husk of my Twitter at Marvin Yue. You can find our show Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. Um, check out our fellow Potluck Pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, that'll do it for the month of July. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you all next time on the Good Pop Culture Club. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. It's a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, a full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me 
ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.